Good morning, Oceanside. What an incredible privilege I have today to chat to you, bring the Word of God to you. Uh, when Mike phoned me and asked me, it's always a privilege. So I just want to thank you all. I trust you all well there at Oceanside in that wonderful, wonderful place you live. I come all the way from my house here. This is my study to chat to you guys. And uh, just uh, we look forward to seeing you face to face someday again soon in the near future. Uh, a lot of uncertainty happening, but God is not uncertain. God is faithful. God is true. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so he does not change. Things change, but he does not change. So this morning, what I want to do is just chat to you a little bit about cultivating a heart after God. It's not that we do something, it's more we respond to what God initiates in us. And the very fact that many of you are hearing this, God has already initiated something in your life. And it's our response to Him to continue to cultivate a heart after Him so that He can continue to work in us and through us. Put another way, it's positioning ourselves for all that God wants to do in and through us. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning, cultivating a heart after God. David had a heart after God, and David wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But the Bible says in Acts 13 that uh, it was a man after God's own heart. And so I just want to give us five or six things that will possibly maybe facilitate and help that. And the first one I want to talk about is gratitude. Thanks. Celebrate what God has done and is doing, knowing he is faithful to do the rest. Celebrate what he's doing. Give thanks to him. In Philippians 2, Paul writes to that wonderful church and says, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God that works in you to will and to act and to do according to his good pleasure. So we can see from that scripture, it is God who works within us. To work it out. It's God who works within us. And he will continue to work it in us and work it out of us. He started the process as we continue to cooperate with him. And one of the ways is to do, give thanks. What God began, and it's a small seed that he put in your heart. He will continue to grow in an atmosphere of thanksgiving. And thanksgiving is a wonderful atmosphere that we can cultivate in our lives by which what God is doing in us cultivates that seed. It's uh, the soil of a good heart. In uh, Luke 8 and Mark, 3, Mark 4 and Matthew 13, Jesus talks about the parable of the sower and some of the seed that fell on uh, uh, hard ground, in a sense, uh, was snatched away. Some of the seed that fell on the rock where testings and tribulations came, it didn't grow and mature. And then some of the seeds fell amongst the thorns, and that is representing worry and anxiety. And then it says, but some of the seeds fell on good soil. And that's what Thanksgiving does. It cultivates good soil within our heart, becomes pliable. It becomes uh, workable. It becomes clay in his hands. I encourage you, don't feed off what he is not doing or hasn't done yet. Don't feed off that. Feed off thanksgiving, what he has done and what he's currently doing in you. Never feed off 
what he hasn't done. Because that creates an atmosphere in us where we can become a little self-piteous or an offense can rise up within us. Gratitude really does facilitate worship and facilitates a pliable, pliable, tender heart. So I encourage you, I'm going to read a scripture out of Colossians chapter 3, which says this, Let all, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body we're called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, as you sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitudes in your heart. Then he goes on to say, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks. And so even in those three or four verses, Paul talks about thanksgiving three times. So I want to encourage you, cultivate a heart of gratitude, a heart of thankfulness. The second one is a renewed mind. It's very important that we allow the word to renew our minds and our attitudes. Romans 12 talks about it. That though we live in this world, we do not conform to the pattern of this world, but we are transformed. How are we transformed? We are really transformed in a sense of when we're born again, but it's more transforming the mind and our attitudes and our opinions. We are transformed by the renewing of our mind. Then we will know this good, pleasing and perfect will of God. So I want to encourage you. A renewed mind is a powerful tool that the Holy Spirit uses to adjust our attitudes and emotions. In Ephesians 4.22, it says, Be made new in the attitude of your mind. I like that. Be made new in the attitude of the mind. You are a new creation. We were born again. But our mind is not new. It still wants to think old ways. And so God is encouraging in His word, Be made new in the attitude of your mind. And particularly in this season, the enemy wants to sow some things into our lives and into our hearts that when the season ends and it's going to end, we still have that within us. And that's not what God wants. Be aware of what the enemy wants to sow inside of you in this season. Because when the season ends, that still remains and it has impact on us. That's why we need to continually renew our minds. It's very important. There's a wonderful uh, story. It's not a wonderful, it's a very sad story in 1 Samuel, I think it was 1 Samuel 18, where David and Saul come back from defeating the enemy and all the people are gathering and the women are gathering with the tambourines and singing. Saul has slain his thousands and David has slain the ten thousands. And if you read the scripture, 1 Samuel 18 verse 8 and 9, this didn't go well with Saul. And the Bible actually says, and he thought, and you'll see what he thought. And because of his thought process, because of the insecurity that had rose up in him, it began a chain reaction in his life where then he needed to kill David because he thought David's going to take his throne. And all the people are applauding him more than Saul, yet they had won the victory together. It's an amazing fact. And not only does he try and kill David, but then he actually goes after his own family and his own army, all because his thinking was not adjusted. So I want to encourage you, allow God to continue to renew your mind. And the only way that happens is as we get into the word. Take the word, eat the word in this season. It's like we're in a little bit of a pause 
and God is drawing our hearts and drawing our hearts. So let the word continue to be planted within you. The next thing I want to chat about is the continued declaration of the revelation that God has given you. Whatever that revelation is, <clears throat> whatever it may be, it can concerning yourself, concerning him, concerning what he's doing in your life, continue to declare what he has spoken to you and is real inside you. Not what somebody else says, what God has said to you. <clears throat> Excuse me. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul talks about that we have this treasure in jars of clay, verse 7, to show that there's also passing powers from God and not from ourselves. And so we have this Christ in us, the hope of glory, in jars of clay. And in for order what God has put within us to come out of us, this clay needs to be pliable. It needs to be pliable in the, in the hands of the Lord. And, and then Paul goes on to say, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. So he's saying we have this treasure within us. That's what he's saying. And then he talks about some of the hardships he went on. But in verse 13, he says this. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken with that same spirit of faith we also believe. And therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord from the dead will also raise us up. So Paul is saying, despite his tough circumstances, despite what he went through, and we know he went through a lot, he will continue to declare what God has put in his heart, what he believes, what is really. He'll continue with the same spirit of faith. He will speak it. He will continue to declare it. Don't allow hardships unanswered questions in these times to cancel the revelation of who God is and what he has said. I'm encouraging you, continue to declare what is real to you. Continue to declare who he is to you, to continue to declare his promises is made to you. Don't let hardship, these tough times, cancel that revelation in you. Then we would love to do that. Number four, continue to feed yourself on the incredible things God did through ordinary men and women. I love this one. The Bible is full of ordinary men and women and how God used them, how people called them and how he used them. And when I feed myself of that, what it does is it begins to strengthen and encourage me inside. And it also takes the ceiling off my thinking. We so box ourselves and we put a ceiling on ourselves. And God is not putting a ceiling on us. So I want to encourage you, feed yourself on the things that God has done through ordinary men and women. It's very important for me personally. There's a number of books I continue to read and reread. And many of you know, I've chatted about it. A man called Smith Wigglesworth, when I first got saved, I just devoured some of it. Besides the Bible, I devoured some of those books. And they couldn't read or write until very late in his life. He was a plumber. And the amazing things that God did through this man and in this man was just an ordinary man. Not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But I love reading those books. And there's a book called The Apostle of Faith that I read again and again and again and again. Hebrews 11 is all about how God called ordinary men and women and the incredible exploits he did in them and through them. I encourage you, get into Hebrews 11. Study up on some of these people. What it does, it strengthens them. So feed yourself on the incredible things God did through ordinary 
man and woman. The next one I want to talk about is being faithful with what you have already received. 2 Timothy 1, 13 and 14. Paul writes to Timothy and says this, God, the good deposit that was entrusted to you. God, the good deposit. That word, God, the good deposit is to nurture, to watch over, keep with care and interest. Guard it. Whatever God has put within you, guard that. Be faithful with it. Don't let the enemy rob it. And then he goes on to say, guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Let me briefly explain that. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 26 and 27, it talks about the anointing that teaches us. The anointing that teaches us. In other words, as people preach or as we worship or whatever, there's an anointing that takes something that that person is saying or whatever has been uh, uh, praise or worship or even what people speak to you in the street or wherever it is. The anointing comes upon that. And they take those words and God puts like his super on it and it impacts you. That's what I mean. That's what this is taught. And it becomes a good deposit in you. And that word teaches, where it says the anointing teaches you. Literally, it's a word called didisco, which means to learn, to teach, and instruct. It's a pupil-disciple relationship. One teaches, the other learns by assimilating to become part of himself. But the main aim when teaching is the shaping of the will of the pupil. And that's the purpose of what the anointing brings to us. Guard that. Because as you guard that good deposit within you, with the help of the Holy Spirit, God will continue to transform us and change us deep within. As we receive and guard, it keeps our hearts pliable. That's how we cultivate a heart after God. Because we want pliable hearts, tender hearts, hearts that he can that are like clay in his hands. So I want to encourage you. Um, God the good deposit. Um, before COVID came, we were up in Canada and I took a young man up to the Toronto area. And on the way back, we were driving back, he asked me a question. And the question he asked me was, what books or what preach? or preachers have really impacted you. And so I ask you that same question. What books, obviously the Bible, I'm not talking about the Bible because we need to get it, but what books have you read that really have impacted you? What preachers have you heard, no matter who they're from, have impacted you? That's the good deposit that God wanted. He used those vehicles to put a good deposit within you. Remember that. Go back to remember when it happened, the emotion that came with it or what went through you. It's a good deposit that is put in with you. Don't forget those. Encourage you. <clears throat> and then the second part of number four <clears throat> is this. Not only are we to, <clears throat> excuse me, God the good deposit that was in us, but that which is within us in 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2, Paul is writing to Timothy and says, Entrust us to reliable people. In other words, share it with other people that are willing to hear from you. Because as you, what you receive as you share, increase comes in our life. What we give away, we make room for God to bring more into our life. Don't hold on to it. Share this good thing. 
But with those that are willing to hear, those that are willing to hear, share it with them. I encourage you. And then the last one I want to talk about is remaining hungry. Remaining hungry. That remains our hearts pliable. And what causes hunger? What causes hunger in us? There are a number of things, but there's two things I want to touch on. Number one, desperation. Become desperate for more of God. Become hungry for more of God. If we become satisfied where we're at, and I'm not saying we're not satisfied with who God is and what he's doing. We are totally satisfied. But there's always more that God wants to bring to us, reveal to us, more of his heart that he wants to show us. And so hunger, let a hunger be created in you. And if your hunger is not there, I encourage you, go and ask him, God, put a hunger in me. Put a hunger in me for you. Continue to put a thirst in me for you. Because even in the natural, the only reason why we go to the fridge to look for food is because we're hungry. So it's the same in the spirit. We need to continually be hungry for more of God. And the other thing is appetite. Whatever your appetite is used to, whatever you whet your appetite with and like, you'll want more of it. So create an appetite. And the only way you create an appetite is when you eat of something and it tastes yum yum. And as we continue to eat of God, it creates an appetite in us as we feed on his word, as we continue to thank him, as we praise him, an appetite inside of us begins to well up. And so I want to encourage you, become thirsty or desperate and create an appetite. There's a parable Jesus told in Luke 11 about prayer. There's two parables, Luke 11 and Luke 18, that Jesus used to tell about prayer. And this one is where Jesus is teaching the disciples to pray. And that's the Lord's Prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer. And then he tells a parable afterwards. And in the parable, he talks about this man that came to his friend's house and knocked at the door late at night. And when his friend got up and answered the door, the man that asked him for something, his friend couldn't give it to him. He did not have the ability to give it to him. So he said, hang on a minute. And he ran next door and knocked on the neighbor's door to get something to give to his friend. And then Jesus said, if you, how much more will your father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit when you ask? And that's the whole essence of the parable. If we continue to ask for the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit brings into our life. Because sometimes there are things that we don't know. Sometimes people come to us, we can't answer their questions. Sometimes they come to pray for us and we don't know how to help them. And that creates, in me it creates a hunger. And I'm saying, God, how to help this person? How to help this person? And Jesus is using that parable to say, when you can't supply what somebody needs, come and seek him. Come and seek the power of his spirit. And how much more will the Holy Spirit, will the Father in heaven not give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask? To those who ask. So I want to encourage you. That creates a hunger in you. So I trust that this has helped you. It's really been a privilege and a pleasure for me to talk a little bit about these things. And uh, Oceanside, we really appreciate you people. We appreciate your leadership. We love coming to that area. We love coming, spending time with you. Michelle is somewhere in the house and she says hello. But I do want to encourage you with what I've shared this morning. And I trust you allow God to continue to cultivate your heart, that your heart would be after him in this season. 
Now I'll end with this. I was driving in the car not too recently and the scripture that popped into my mind was came out of Genesis 3 and where God was saying to Adam, Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? And I felt God just say, he's calling people to himself this season. I know there's many things happening, but he's calling people to himself. He's calling his people back to him and saying, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? So I want to encourage you, allow God to continue to cultivate your heart and give your heart after him. Bless you and love you guys. Amen.